You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to join us in our smallness and our insignificance and bring to us his own glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. That song rings throughout this time of year, this Advent time of year that has sort of been Christmas ever since, thank, ever since um, uh, Halloween was over, and maybe even sometimes before Halloween was quite over. It's been a, a sort of long Christmas, a long, an even longer Advent than what the church has, in a way. And so we probably heard that song a few times. And it's a song of warning, A song that says you had better not do these things. You had better watch out. Which is a great Advent theme. (laughs) In Advent, we're supposed to be watching for Jesus. We're supposed to be watching for Jesus to come in Christmas. But we're also supposed to be watching for Jesus to come in glory and clouds as he comes in the second coming. And then it says, you better not cry. And, you know, I I don't really know why you're not supposed to cry, but it's not a good thing. And you're also, by the way, you're not supposed to pout. And you're not supposed to do all of these things because somebody is coming to town. And that somebody who is coming to town, in this case of the song, is not Jesus, but it's rather uh, uh, one of Jesus' helpers. Good old St. Nicholas of Myra. As he arrives and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to give presents to those people who haven't done certain things. And uh, I am a, I'm going to give uh, lumps of coal to people who have, well, they, they've not listened to the song very well. And to all of those things, we, we kind of say, okay, well, you know, the, there is something to what that song is saying. You know, I can apply those, those things to myself. Have I been watching out? Have I been watching out for the coming of a great Savior of the world? Have I been focusing my thoughts and my heart this Advent and maybe even before on the coming of this Lord Jesus? Or have I not been watching out? And then the next question, have I been crying? Have I experienced hardship? Have I 
had a reason to cry? Have I had a reason to feel like I've needed to cry out to the Lord? And when I have cried out, have I actually cried out to God? Or have I more cried out at God? Has my crying out been not a thing of asking him for his help, but rather blaming him for the lack of it? And have I been pouting? Have I been saying, well, I haven't really gotten what I wanted. And if I haven't gotten what I've wanted thus far, then, well, things don't look good that I'll get those things for Christmas. All of those things are good questions for us to think about as we move from this time of Advent into a time of Christmas, into the the 12-day celebration of our Savior's birth that begins on the eve of his birth as our hearts and our minds point toward that little town in Bethlehem. And as our hearts and our minds turn toward that little town in Bethlehem, right before that, we have this reading. We have this reading from Micah that talks about you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, you who are too small, too tiny, too insignificant, too able for anybody to just sort of look you over from you, will come a great leader. A leader who it says will shepherd Israel like a flock. A leader who will make them to dwell secure and will bring to them peace. And it's kind of neat knowing that Micah, who was a prophet serving under several Jewish kings, knew that that was going to be the point at which there was a great leader who was established in Israel. It's kind of neat to know that hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born that Micah was visited by the Holy Spirit and was given this vision that said, "I know where he's going to be born. He's going to be born in this little backwater town named Bethlehem. By the way, the same little backwater town that David was born in." And yet that by itself, while it's you know, kind of cool, it's kind of neat that Micah got this information way ahead of time. Well, that by itself is, yeah, it, it's not really anything that grabs us by the heart. Because we don't really understand what's going on in Micah's prophecy here. In Micah's prophecy, what's happening is that Micah is serving in a time where they have just seen their cousins get carted off into slavery and exile. What has happened is that Micah is the prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. So he's living in Jerusalem, and there has been a civil war that has broken apart the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being Israel and the southern kingdom being Judah. And so Micah is watching what's happening to this northern kingdom, this northern kingdom of Israel Israel as Assyria comes in and defeats Israel and then takes them all off into exile and into slavery. 
And as he's seeing this, there's a moment that he has this feeling of, oh, things are, are not really secure. Things are not really looking good. Things are actually looking like, oh, maybe I need to be watching out for who's coming to town. And the people that Micah is afraid is coming to town is not Santa Claus. He's not born for a long, long time yet. He's afraid that the people that are coming to town are the Assyrians and that the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to do the same thing to the people of Judah that they did to the people of Israel and they're going to be carted off in chains into slavery. They're going to lose their national identity. They're going to lose a lot of their friends. They're going to lose a lot of people to death. They're going to lose all sorts of stuff. And so what they are doing is exactly the opposite of what Micah is promising. Micah promises that there will be a leader who allows them to dwell in security and peace. And they don't feel either of those things. Their security and their peace have been robbed from them by a violent, invading nation that has its sights on them. Now the amazing thing about Micah's prophecy is is that, well, Judah does go into exile, not by the hand of the Assyrians, but by another empire that comes in just after the Assyrians, the Babylonians. And so it's interesting what people were thinking when we finally get to the point of the story of Elizabeth and Mary, that you have this sort of sense of, well, Micah prophesied that one day in, in Bethlehem there would be a great king, a great king who would come up and he would rise up and in him we would dwell in security and in peace. But that didn't happen. And so many of the people during that time were looking for somebody who would come and would come to give them those things. Those gifts of security and of peace. But it had been so long since Micah. It had been so long since David that a lot of the people had probably even forgotten about this prophecy, about the promise that God gave to David that somebody would sit on David's throne, that God came to David and said, I will sit a king on your throne, in your lineage, in your dynasty, that will be an everlasting king. And then going to Micah saying, this king That king that I promise is not only going to sit on his throne, but is going to be born in his town. There is a great gift there. But a gift that would be easy to forget about. And a gift that in some ways shows how insignificant Bethlehem 
had become. Who even thinks about Bethlehem, people might say. Well, it kind of reminded me of a, a story from, from my own life. Uh, uh, it, it reminded me of a story where, where I was going to a Christmas party, sort of a family Christmas party with a friend of mine. And uh, I was coming along sort of as a plus one and, uh, and I, I knew my role. I, I knew that I was just there to be the friend and, and to be there, and, and this was a family celebration, and, uh, and that's great. I'm, I'm uh, glad to be here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, getting you know, maybe a cookie and maybe some eggnog. Uh, they, those were sort of my expectations for the evening. And, and as the evening went on, it got to that point where it was time for people to exchange gifts. And I knew that I was out of this. And I was happy with that. I was fine with that. And, uh, and as I was sitting there, uh, the hostess of the house, the, the matriarch of the house, came over to me and handed me a present. And into that, I, I said, what is this? And she said, that, that's for you. And, you know, probably what she had done, uh, she was probably a good host, she probably knew this thing would come up, this possibility that somebody would arrive and they would be somebody who was unknown and somebody who they hadn't planned on. And so what she probably did was she just wrapped an extra present that would have worked for anybody early so that if anybody showed up, well, they would have a present too. And it was... A great gift, not because of what it was, but because it was something that I knew that I was insignificant for. I knew that I, I had no sort of uh, situation in which I deserved that present. Not that we should think about our presents in terms of deserving them, either if we're giving them or receiving them, but I, I knew that I was not a part of this family system. I knew that this wasn't my thing. I wasn't expecting a present, and yet, there it was. A present given to me. The one who was playing Bethlehem of Ephrathah that night. This gift given to me who is too insignificant to be counted among the clans. And that moment is a moment for all of us to consider as well. This Christmas. As we consider that all of us can rejoice along with Elizabeth and with Mary because that's what, what they have in common. What they have in common is, is that they recognize that all of the gifts that they've been given, that the little boy who is jumping for joy in his mother's womb is a gift given to Elizabeth, a gift that she in no way expected to actually come true until it did. And that the reason for that little boy jumping was another little boy that was growing in his mother's womb. That she didn't expect that either. That she was playing Bethlehem of Ephrathah. That she was the one who was insignificant. And yet was given this greatest of all gifts. That we too are so insignificant that we too 
don't deserve to have the gift of Christ given to us. Even more so because our insignificance much of the time is created by our own sins. That we had a significance and that we've whittled away our significance by committing sins. And yet, God says to even that insignificance, even the insignificance that we have caused ourselves by forgetting that we are his baptized children, that we are the fertile ground for him to plant his Holy Spirit in. Even there, he says, here you go. Here's the gift for you. Here's the gift of my son. Gift wrapped for you in swaddling clothes. And just in case you forget, he was born in a place of insignificance so that you can know that you don't have to be significant to receive him, but that receiving him makes you significant. May you go about this final almost week of Advent, knowing that you are insignificant, but you have been made significant by the gift given to you, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh, Lord,